On a fateful night in Las Vegas on September 7th, 1996, legendary rapper Tupac Shakur was the target of a brutal gang hit that left him mortally wounded. He was gunned down by an unknown assailant while riding in the passenger seat of a BMW driven by Suge Knight, head of Death Row Records. It's a murder mystery that has inexplicably remained unsolved until now. Join us as we go down the rabbit hole and examine why it took 27 years to answer the question, who shot Pac? That's today on Death and Entertainment. Live from Los Angeles. 911, what is your emergency? Here in Hollywood now. Two counts of murder, injury, and death. Oh my God! Shocking new details that has stunned the entertainment world. Um, this makes me a little nervous. The hair stood up on my arms. Just like in the movies. <gasps> what do you call this thing anyway? Death in entertainment. Now, where did we leave off? I believe a flight to Las Vegas. I believe it was Snoop Dogg on a plane in a seat with a knife and a fork in his hands or something. I want these motherfucking snoops off my motherfucking (laughs) plane. And he was very scared he was going to get killed because his security had been removed from the flight. Suge Knight told him, your security can't roll. Even though there was plenty of room on the plane. You know? Snoop must have done something to piss off Suge Knight because... Tupac isn't responding to him. He's asking Tupac, hey, are you going to the Tyson fight in Vegas? And Tupac's even shrugging him off. And they had just done gangsters party together. They were like buds. Yeah. So what's happening here? Maybe Suge Knight put the word out that don't talk to Snoop. We don't like him now because he's not talking bad about Puff Daddy. Maybe that's the problem. That's it. He's not a loyal soldier. He's not a loyal soldier. Maybe Snoop was snooping. <laughs> I <Well>. said, <laughs> yes, Kyle. Yes, yes. Snoop was he, snooping. He was snooping. Yes. <laughs> um. Yeah. I don't. So we're in Vegas. Yes. Let's just get right to it. We Snoop are. stayed in Los Angeles. Yeah. And Tupac rode to Vegas with Suge and his entourage. Saturday, September seventh, nineteen ninety six, and tonight. It's the championship boxing event, a match between the heavyweights, Mike Tyson and Bruce Seldon at the MGM Grand. This is as big as it gets. Well, Tyson's a little beyond his prime here, let's be honest. He's doing these kind of wild fights, but he was still an an interesting fighter to watch. This is when he was in his prime, I think. Really? I think he might have been on the way down, but he was still killing people. But he was biting off a little more than he could chew. That was a a year later, you son of a bitch. That was in 1997. I think that is when he was really going downhill. When he couldn't fight anymore, and he's like, I'll bite you. But but he's fighting bums, though. Like, this guy, Bruce Seldon, is not a real challenger. I think he's putting off the Lennox Lewis fights on on purpose because they know he could kick his ass. Could be. And I think he knew Lennox Lewis was coming along because Britain was starting to produce some really badass boxers Mm -hmm. around this time well this fight was a joke you'll hear how it plays out yeah so the arena it's filled with sixteen thousand fans and millions more are watching on pay-per-view i'm somewhere watching on pay-per-view the song road to glory played as tyson entered the arena which tupac wrote 
And the song Ambitions as a Rider from All Eyes on Me was written for Mike Tyson. Oh. My ambitions as a rider. I love this song, man. <laughs> this song's thank, great. Thank you. The match. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like killing somebody. <laughs> I want to chew on someone's ear, man. That's what this song makes me want to do. The match did not last long, just like Evander Holyfield's ear in a year. Ooh. Tyson took out Selden in 109 seconds. Tupac sat ringside along with Suge Knight and bodyguard Frank Alexander, nicknamed Big Frank. Imagine how crazy you have to be to be a death row uh, bodyguard. <laughs> like, you have to be nuts. He was a former Mr. Universe who became close friends with Tupac when he joined death row. Yeah. And sitting nearby them were Charlie Sheen, who I spotted at the grocery store recently. Winning. Louis Gossett Jr., Reggie Jackson. Thanks, Tom. And Jesse Jackson. Wow. No relation. No relation. (laughs) (laughs) There was a rumor that Tupac and Suge were arguing as they took their seats, but witnesses say that's false. Wow. Conflicting reports. Uh Uh-huh. So we're about to hear Mike Tyson talking about this night. Right after I get out the ring, I hug Tupac. I tell him, I'm going to see you tonight, nigga. I'm going to be a 662. I tell him, boom. After the fight, Tupac is still in that mode. Hey, 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 hey. When Tyson get in the ring, he knock motherfuckers out. Well, that's what Tupac going to do. That's anybody that go to jail come out, they got good luck. That's very addictive. When niggas come against me, I'm going to knock their punk ass out. If he didn't have anybody to fight, he'll find somebody to fight. Tupac's a little guy. Like, he's not big. Like, that's why he needs a uh, Suge behind him. Yeah. What is his height? He looks sh- like 5'8". At most, I think. That would be my guess. 5'7"? Yeah. They're saying that he was. He said he was 5'11", but... Oh, come on. I think he's 5'9". Yeah, he's standing on a box of CDs. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, his double album. Yeah. (laughs) All feet on me. Yep. Nice. Afterwards, Tupac and Suge, along with members of their entourage, were walking through the casino, the MGM Grand, towards the exit... When they got into an altercation with a guy named Orlando Anderson. Mr. Anderson. A 21-year-old from Compton, CA. And the thing is, this all started because someone whispered in Pac's ear, Oh, you see that punk over there? He tried to steal a medallion from one of our buddies. You you should go kick his ass. I'm sure the bar is very low here for someone Tupac would fight. Like, there was... He wanted to fight someone. Clearly, he was all worked up when he left that uh, boxing match. Yeah. yeah. I've never been to like a professional boxing match, but I've been to the UFC a bunch of times, and there's just something in the air that mm-hmm. people want to fucking kill each other. It's the closest thing you can get to like the Coliseum days yeah. when people are just like, they're foaming at the mouth. And this is when boxing matches, like there was action going on. Not now where they just kind of play defensive for 12 rounds. It's the most boring shit ever. Yeah, hug each other. These are like real fights. Like people, and that was just only the, the main event. Like there was like three other fights there. Yeah. And so here we have the surveillance footage from the MGM Grand that night showing the altercation. 
Shug's buddy Sal is the one who whispered in his ear saying, yeah, that's that Orlando guy. He's a crip and he's trying to rob us. Mm. So Tupac swung at him. Then Orlando swung back, knocking a chain off Pac's neck. Orlando was then shoved to the ground and then everybody started kicking him. Yeah. Including Suge Knight. Yeah, they're just tap dancing on this guy. Minutes later, security broke up the fight, and Frank Alexander, the bodyguard, held Tupac back against the wall. And that's what we're looking at right now. So as you can see, it's just... It's mayhem going yeah. on there. And they do it right out in the open. Oh, yeah. And then they just walk out. I mentioned that Orlando was a member of the Crips gang. Apparently, that's just a rumor. He never quite admitted to such, but it's pretty obvious. He, he was, was a trainee. He was never an affirm member. He Affili- was, <laughs> he was yeah, affiliate. Affili- they say affiliated. Yeah, yeah they yeah. gave him an affiliate link for uh, <laughs> yeah. online sales. Yeah, yeah. His nickname was Little Lando or Baby Lane, this Orlando guy. And so, yeah, that was the story. He tried to snatch a gold medallion from a member of the entourage. And that's what caused the fight to break out. Another version of the story is that they had yelled at each other inside the Grand Garden earlier during the fight. And that the heated words continued into the hotel lobby afterwards. And that was started because Orlando was sitting in their seats when they arrived. And Tupac uh, and Sugar are like, who the fuck are you? You're in our seats. I'm well, Baby Lane. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you don't remember me. We met. I'm Baby Lane. Yeah, I'm Little Lando. <laughs> Maybe I don't remember the last time I blew my nose. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think at this time when at the MGM, you know how people go to sports events all the time and they just, you know, if there's no one in those seats, I could steal those seats. Why not? Oh, hell yeah. But they did it on a bigger level where they're stealing like like movie star seats and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> but that story has not been corroborated. Oh, okay. Uh, That's just another it's version. It's hearsay. Yeah. yeah. Tupac's crew left immediately and headed a block south on the Strip to the Luxor Hotel where they were staying. Although police were called to the MGM Grand, no report was filed by the Las Vegas police. Orlando was seen talking to officers, but he didn't appear injured, refused first aid from security, and declined to file a complaint. I mean, this is Vegas. It's like, you know, giving out t- uh, speeding tickets at the Indy 500. You know, every, it's, it's a crazy town. <laughs> yeah. You know, shit's going on everywhere. What happens there stays there. Yeah. I've heard that's a saying, right? Yeah, yeah okay. baby lane. <laughs> So then Orlando left the MGM Grand without the cops ever taking down his name. Isn't that insane? Really? And Suge later went to jail for this because he was violating parole because of another incident. So what that tells you, the courts did think a crime had occurred here. Oh, yeah. But the cops did not. Well, there's no incident report, though. That's the problem. Exactly. But they... but. If the probation officer can subpoena the security video, they could see Suge Knight on the video. That would get him busted. And the cops, too. They see everybody involved in it, and they're just like, we don't want to get involved in this shit. Dude. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> we have eight other things going on right now. So, yeah. Yeah, especially if everyone's gang affiliated. They're like, dude, 
they know gangs will follow up with shit mm-hmm. they want to follow up with. Yeah. Right. They don't want to be a part of that. So, like, all right, you guys just go back home. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah. We'll go, you know, we'll, we'll be crooked cops over here. You be whatever you're, you are. Yeah. And Suge had so many assaults, it's hard to keep track. But he was held accountable for one of them, and this violated the parole. But more on that later. Okay. Tupac went up to his room where new girlfriend Kidada Jones was waiting for him. And she is the daughter of Quincy Jones. I knew he dated Quincy Jones' daughter. I thought it was the same one who's the actress Rashida? I thought it was Rashida. No, but (laughs) he actually got into a fight with Rashida publicly because Tupac went on the record saying he was pissed that Quincy was dating white women and having babies with white women. Oh, my God. Rashida Jones is like, fuck you. Because her mom is the actress from Twin Peaks who recently died. Mm. Oh. A white woman. Yeah. <laughs> but then uh, he met Kidada and they got along, but he had to explain himself at first and he apologized. Mm. But she's half white too, so he dates half white women. Well, again, he's a multifaceted, complicated yeah, yeah, figure. Yeah. Very true, very true, very true. <laughs> Imagine if he heard about the Quincy Jones gay rumors. Ooh, oh, really blow God. his lid. Hello. Yeah. Yeah, and he didn't even call Puffy gay at this time. Yeah. <laughs> or a pedophile. Imagine what he'd be saying these days. <laughs> no, he'd be going to town on he, him. He would sound like 50 Cent yeah. these days. <laughs> From what I heard, the, the boy party started in like 98. Oh, oh, okay. oh so Tupac. Usher came around. He so. just missed it. He just yeah. missed it. Wow. So Usher ushered in the boy party era. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> um, yeah. Tupac. Yeah. <laughs> Ditched his tan silk shirt, which we saw in the video, mm-hmm. and slacks for a black and white tank top, baggy jeans, and leather sports shoes. To finish the ensemble, he threw on a heavy, solid gold medallion around his neck with a picture of a haloed black man wrestling a serpent with one hand and holding a gun in the other. Oh. If that doesn't represent Tupac's state of mind, I don't know what does. Yeah. I used to have that. <laughs> Not part of the outfit, a bulletproof vest. Oh. Kidada stayed behind at the hotel as Tupac set off for the night. And his reasoning was the same reason he wanted Jada to not go to his live shows or direct the California Love video. He's separating those worlds. Yeah, we got to keep some separation here. He's partitioning. Clearly something had happened at some point, and it led him to not want, or or he just saw how Suge treated women. Or anybody. Or anybody, yeah. yeah. (laughs) A punching ball. The wrecking ball. A tourist camcorder captured footage of Tupac and his crew waiting for their cars in the Luxor Valet area while chatting with some women. That could be another reason he left her behind. Yeah, yeah. Maybe meet some other women. True. Yes. Let's not forget Tupac is 25 years old. I know. This is the craziest part. He's so young. Once the cars arrived, the whole entourage piled in and drove to Suge's estate in the Paradise Valley Township because Suge wanted to change his clothes too. So I don't think I had mentioned this yet. Suge has this big place in Vegas. I did not know this. Yeah. And he knows the town in and out. That's my problem. Other problem with Shook. He owns all the properties. He owns all the cars. He like, owns the authorities, too. Yeah. And he doesn't buy Tupac's mom a house. He owns the house and he just lets her live in it. But he's going to get that back eventually. Yeah. Tupac says he wants a car. Oh, yeah. Shook gets him a car, but Shook still owns the car. 
Exactly. And he just gives it to him. And it's just, Suge is such a scumbag. And I bet you he's got the biggest palatial spread in the world up in Vegas. Absolutely. And I bet that with all eyes on me, it's like, oh, yeah, this sold millions of copies, but you owe me for this, this, and this. Oh, yeah. Yeah, He nickels and dimes him on everything. So uh, I'm going to take some of this money back. You don't really have it. Yeah, it's not a good situation for Tupac because he really, for all intents and purposes, he was broke. Crazy. And the only thing he really cared about was securing the house for his mom, which he did. Like, Suge did buy that house. And it was in the mom's name? Yeah, in Atlanta. Oh, that was her house. Great. Well, that was the one thing well, not he made great, sure but to yeah, do. Yeah. yeah. Well, the mom's smart, too. So she knows, you know, what ownership is and, you know, the fact that she wants her name on it and stuff. Like, she's good at legal systems and stuff and yeah, dealing yeah. with all that. Yeah. And to Suge's credit, he uh, spent. $1.4 million on him getting out of jail. So True. No one else was forking that over. Yeah. Yeah. So now we're like on Shook's side. <laughs> <laughs> He's Sugar Bear. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he wears red because it, it makes him look thinner. I'm the Shook Knight Advocate over here. Yeah. <laughs> Shook Pod. So after, <laughs> after going to his palatial estate in Vegas, the next stop, a benefit party at Club 662, where Tupac was set to perform with Run DMC and Mike Tyson would be in attendance. That's what he said in the clip earlier, that he's going to see Pac afterwards at 662. And this club was run by Suge. He invested in it, owned it, and that was his spot. And it was named 662 because the numbers spell out M-O-B on telephone keypads, which could refer to Mob Pyru, a faction of the Bloods from Compton. Or it could simply mean member of Bloods. Westside? Suge had a tattoo with those letters on his tricep, but claimed it stood for money, organization, and business. Yeah. True honor under God. <laughs> yeah, okay. 662, maybe that's an area code or something. I'm playing devil's advocate. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> that's his weight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Big fat fuck. <laughs> it fluctuates, but that it usually hovers around there. Yeah. Then I turn up dad after this <laughs> yeah. podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At 10 p.m. I don't mind Shook. The, <laughs> let's not get hysterical. <laughs> the entourage headed back out. Tupac rode shotgun with Suge behind the wheel of a BMW black sedan with tinted windows and chrome wheels. The music was blaring. I wonder if they were playing anything that was on the charts that night. Maybe Biggie Smalls? Or could it be California Love? Probably California Love. Or the Macarena. Yeah, that's probably it. Hey, Macarena. Hi. Following closely, <laughs> could you imagine dying to that? Hey! <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't dancing. I was going, hey, get me to a hospital. Hillary's like, ha ha, <laughs> another one. And give me another baby to eat. Oh, God. <laughs> Following closely behind was the rest of the group in a parade of luxury cars. Frank Alexander was the only bodyguard present. And he was told he also could have no weapons that night. By Suge? Yes. So he was unarmed and did not even have a radio. Why is he not in the car? That's a great question. That's a really great question. 
So the reason that there were no guns there that night is that Frank Alexander was an out-of-state security officer. So he would have had to obtain temporary concealed weapons permits for the state of Nevada. And no arrangements had been made in advance. Uh, That was the official reason why no one had guns. Yeah. Given what he said to Snoop on the plane, your security can't roll. Somehow it does seem like he's thinking of something it's an oversight at best Mm. and an actual conspiracy at worst where they're like well we know that he's not gonna be able to have a gun right so yeah i mean the it's it's gray we don't know it had been a surprise to tupac and frank alexander the bodyguard that the right way security firm which was used by Death Row, hadn't secured the permits for Vegas. A Death Row attorney specifically informed the bodyguards that it would be illegal for them to have guns that night. It's surprising to me that, given the wild lifestyle of these guys, that they really follow the letter of the law. Like, Mm, (laughs) Like, they know that they're on probation, and this probation, if they get caught, could mean very serious ramifications as far as the law goes, and they could actually see some time. Because sometimes if you're on probation and you get caught doing something, slipping up, whatever sentence you would have been given at that time goes into effect. So you're going straight to jail for like a year or two. Yeah. And if it's your second or third felony, it's a three strikes law. You could go to jail for life. Yeah. Mm -hmm. California, they really don't fuck around like they (laughs) it's like a liberal state. But if you have the three strikes law, you you are like there's no other choice but a judge to send you away. Yep. With all this going on. They cruised down the strip, windows down, sunroof open. Fans were easily spotting them as they drove by. An amateur photographer snapped a photo of them as they slowly rode through the gridlocked traffic. The impromptu snap would later sell for thousands of dollars as this was the last photo of Tupac. He looks scared. He looks very scared. He looks like he's very unsure of what's going on. Yeah. Or he's just seeing someone taking a picture. Because, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he really wasn't scared. He knew that those guys were going to come try to find him. And it's so crazy how they got wind of this after party and they were on the way to the after party and just, I'm sure you'll get into it, but randomly stumbled across them mm-hmm. in the middle of the street while they were fucking yelling at girls and girls were yelling at them. But think about it this way, too. In time and space, this probably just felt like another night in his life. Yeah. Like, why wasn't he shot the night before? Oh, yeah. He has no reason for that specific moment to be scared. Mm-hmm. Besides being told, you know, bodyguard couldn't have a gun. But he could be asking Shug questions like, hey, man, what's going Why, why can't I have my bodyguard in here? Why is this? Why is that? No, he really wasn't concerned. We'll get into that right now. Okay, okay. Because they were partying. At 11.05 p.m., a bike cop pulled them over, Shug and Tupac, because their music was too loud and the license plates were not displayed properly on the BMW. So that tells me they were just having a good time cruising down the strip. Yeah. Suge was asked to get out of the vehicle and open the trunk. He did so and was let go a few minutes later with no ticket. What the hell does that tell you? No laundry. No ticket. No laundry. <laughs> what, that there was nothing in the trunk? No, just that he's untouchable. Yeah. Yeah. They laughed it off and continued on their way, turning onto Flamingo Road en route to the club. Frank Alexander following behind them, still 
Danger was the farthest thing from Tupac's mind. Not only were his friends and bodyguard nearby, but there were other cops, off-duty cops, stationed at Suge's house and the club. The event itself was sponsored by the Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department. The event at the club was supposed to raise money for a boxing gym intended to keep kids away from the violent streets. I feel like Suge is like Gus Fering, you know? He's like a he's like a really engulfed in crime, but he's also really tight with local cops. Suge is dumb, but he's not stupid, if that makes sense. Like, he has the Machiavellian part of his brain where he knows he needs to make angles in life and get the right people in his pocket. And he's good with psychology and knows how to manipulate Mm -hmm. situations. And I think that's what... Absolutely. That's what got him to be the head of death row. Yeah. Yeah. And he knows that ownership is everything. So if he owns the masters to all this music that's being created, and he owns all the property, and he owns all the cars, and he owns basically the people... Without giving any of that and just, you know, loaning them money, basically, he's, you know, he owns them. Let's not forget that he literally stole the rights to Ice Ice Baby from Vanilla Ice. Yeah, and who knows who else he did shit like that to. A lot of people. Like bullying them. The masters are basically all that matters. And like if you own those, you own all of this music and all these people. It's great. It's It's great. great. (laughs) Good work if you can get it. Sure, night. Yeah. Yeah. The boxing benefit that they're on their way to at Club 662 also had another benefit for Tupac. His performance would count as community service. Wow. Which was one of the conditions of his probation. Man, Hiring cops as security detail is a really way around the law to bribe cops. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Or bribe the police department. Because say you you jack up the rate to like, you know, $400 an hour. So you're kind of in effect just giving a bribe to police officers. Yes. The BMW and the rest of the entourage stopped for a red light at the busy intersection of Koval Lane and Flamingo Road. One of the other cars pulled ahead to the right. Another car, the one carrying bodyguard Frank Alexander and members of the Outlaws, which was a hip-hop group that Tupac was producing, managing. Well, the Outlaws is who did uh, hit him up with him. Exactly. You know, where they did the the anti-Biggie track. His protégés, who he works with. And who were actually from New Jersey. I always found that strange that they were like, on Tupac's side of this East Coast, West Coast battle, but they were from New Jersey. Yeah. Well, he can overlook some things. Sure. Okay. (laughs) Some flaws. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Again, the contradictions. He was many things. Yeah. And so anyway, the car with the outlaws, Frank Alexander, stopped right behind them. And then a random car, not part of the group, got in front. So the BMW was boxed in. The street was filled with pedestrians. You can imagine this. Fight night in Vegas. Mayhem. Well, Vegas on any weekend night is nuts anyway. But if it's a fight night, there's like people walking throughout the entire street. And, you know, yeah. people aren't waiting for the light to cross. And yeah. No. To the left of the BMW was a Chrysler filled with four beautiful black women. Ingrid Johnson, one of them, would later tell police she smiled at Suge and he invited them to the party as their guests. Mm. 11.17 p.m., all of a sudden, a late model white Cadillac with three to four black men inside pulled up directly to the right of the BMW and abruptly hit the brakes. A man from the back seat 
pointed a semi-automatic handgun out the left side window and started firing towards the BMW. Glass was flying. The noise of the bullets being sprayed was deafening. Tupac made a lunge for the back seat, but his seatbelt held him in place. Suge yelled for him to get down and then attempted to cover him as best he could like a human shield, which resulted in him getting hit in the back of the neck. The BMW was filled with blood, smoke, and broken glass. It was an intense, terrifying scene. But within a matter of seconds, the attack was over, and the white Cadillac sped off into the night. Six cars sped after the perpetrators as they floored it, southbound on Covell Lane, but they never ended up catching up to it. You hit? Shug asked Tupac. I'm hit, he answered. He had been shot brutally at close range. Police later determined that at least 13 rounds had been fired, three directly into Pac, one in the chest, one through the hip into his lower abdomen. This is the bullet that struck him as he tried to move to the back seat. And then a third round hit his right hand, shattering his index finger and breaking his gold ring into pieces. Jesus. Bodyguard Frank Alexander said, quote, All I saw was the position of the shooter. He was in the back seat. I saw the arm of the shooter come out. I saw a silhouette of him, which was a black person wearing a skull cap, a beanie cap, end quote. As he was running over to check on Tupac, the BMW suddenly started moving and sped away. The air was still filled with gun smoke, creating a hazy fog effect, which made it difficult to see clearly. So the white Cadillac is long gone. No one really knows where they went and couldn't catch up. And now Suge is speeding off. Well, Suge can still drive getting shot in the back of the neck? Yeah, more about that in a second. He's got a lot of padding there, I know. <laughs> a pack of hot dogs. <laughs> Some reports state that members of Tupac's entourage returned fire to the white Cadillac. But no casings were ever found to support that claim. Although, had revolvers been used, they wouldn't have left any casings behind. Uh. No, but Tupac and his entourage, they were just they were not utilizing guns. They you don't want to drive along the strip right there. You're stuck. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously you're stuck. They're stuck there yeah. in traffic. So, you know, you're kind of screwed. Two Las Vegas bike cops had heard the shots and pedaled furiously towards the crime scene. Suge had already taken off by the time they got there. All that was left was shrapnel and horrified onlookers. Are these bike cops armed with guns? I wonder. They're like, they're like on 10 speeds with spandex on. Are they strapped? I'm going to dispute that they pedaled furiously to get there because they're not, (laughs) they're not armed. They're they're fucking going through traffic being like, bring, bring. Yeah. We need to get to the shooting. They're switching gears on their 10-speed bike. Yeah. Maybe they spotted a Dunkin' Donuts. They probably <laughs> f- flew there to see it from, like, down the street. Yeah, behind a barrier <laughs> or something where oh. everyone else was. Yeah. They're even stupider than you think. Listen oh, to this. Oh, shit. So Frank Alexander, the bodyguard, and the rest of the crew followed Suge, Tupac, and the BMW. Suge was in a state of panic. He made a frantic U-turn onto Flamingo and headed west, allegedly in search of a hospital. And remember, he lives in Vegas part-time. He knows the town really well. Why doesn't he just take him to the hospital then? He seems to be just driving maniacally any which way. Well, I'll play devil's advocate here. If you're in, in Vegas and you're used to Vegas, 
no one knows where the hospitals are in Vegas. All right, fine. <laughs> like you know where you know the Golden Nugget is. You know where to you know get your uh, your Coke spot. You know get where... this guy to the Rio. Yeah, you know massage where... parlor. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the Spearmint Rhino. <laughs> yeah, get this guy to a massage parlor. Yeah, get let's get let's get a, a lap dance. Maybe that'll cure him. Yeah, can we massage this out of his fucking head? <laughs> let's <laughs> massage the bullets out of his back. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, he's heading west in search of a hospital. At this point, there's two blown out tires to the BMW. They were shot out, yet the vehicle is still moving. Tupac was still clinging to life and alert, but he was having trouble breathing. Both of them were covered in each other's blood. We got to get you to a hospital, Shug told him. Me? You're the one who's been shot in the head. By the way, this turned out to be false. Medical evidence shows that Shug didn't have a bullet stuck in his head. He was only grazed by a piece of glass. Oh my God, what a liar. Throughout the chaotic car ride, Shug's Motorola cell phone sat on the car's console unused. Ten or so cars trailed behind them, as well as the two bike cops. (laughs) Yeah, but they're right behind him? (laughs) Who called for backup. But why didn't they stay and secure the crime scene? We need more bikes. Stat. Yeah. Imagine (laughs) cops show up. I want three BMXers and uh, (laughs) five mountain bikes and a speed bike. Showing up to the crime scene and then leaving it. Not even leaving one of the officers behind to secure it. That's how you solve crimes. Yeah, Yeah, the crime scene is fucked up by everyone driving over and shit. You're supposed to, you know, block off the street. So it wouldn't be secured for another 20 minutes after the shooting. By that point, evidence had been compromised and multiple key eyewitnesses had already gone home. Oh, yeah. There's probably people puking all over the street at that point. Yeah. I saw it happen. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Meanwhile, Shug inexplicably started heading back towards the strip. He weaved in and out of traffic in the left turn lane, ran red lights, drove over the median, and started cruising south down Las Vegas Boulevard before finally grinding to a dead halt in the middle of the intersection at Harmon Avenue. They were about a mile from where the shooting took place. Pandemonium followed as the police, fire department, and highway patrol surrounded the BMW. Only three of the cars from Tupac's entourage made the full trip down the strip following them. With guns drawn, everyone was ordered to exit their vehicles and lie on the ground with their hands behind their heads. Suge, who was bleeding from his head, from a piece of glass, (laughs) was also ordered to hit the pavement at gunpoint despite his pleas for them to get Tupac to the nearest hospital. Yeah, why didn't you drive him there? I don't care what Mark said. I think he knew where the hospital was. Okay, well, yeah, something weird is going on here. I think, you, I think you're right. He probably would have been better off just staying at the crime scene and yeah. just sitting there and just, you know. Devil's advocate, though, there was just a drive-by shooting. I would kind of want to get the there, fuck out of there, Maybe there's too. more perpetrators that are coming. Exactly. Yeah, maybe. So the cops let Suge up after Frank Alexander explained that he was, in fact, a victim, not one of the shooters. Mm -hmm. Then Suge ran over to the BMW's passenger side and yanked on the badly damaged car door until it flung open. Things started to calm down as paramedics arrived. 
police made all members of the entourage sit quietly on the curb until homicide detectives arrived. They were later taken to the station and had mug shots taken so they could be identified as blood gang members, but curiously, not as witnesses to the crime. Mm. So by the time the men were told to give their statements, they were jaded and not too keen on helping the cops in their investigation because they were treated like criminals. Mm. After breaking down the BMW's door, Suge and Frank lifted Tupac out of his seat and laid him gently onto the pavement. He told them he couldn't breathe. His eyes went wild as paramedics lifted him into the ambulance. Suge jumped in and they were rushed to University Medical Center. I'm glad the ambulance driver knew where the hospital was. Yeah. <laughs> well, did do they really need Suge to jump in the back and weigh down the? How many? There's sparks flying as it hits the the pavement. Turns out the tires were blown out on the BMW by Suge's weight, <laughs> yeah. not the bullets. Yeah. <laughs> Kyle has the photos open here. These are newly released photos of the crime scene from that night. So this is a look inside the BMW. Damn. Yeah, so you can see the blood there. I wonder what happened to this BMW like after the fact. Oh, I can tell you. It was sold at an auction. Really? Yeah, and it's actually for sale right now if you have a million dollars. It's a A million? million. I think it's a million and change. No way, man. Yeah, well, I'm good. It might end up at the Dipod Museum one day, <laughs> yeah. but uh, not for a million dollars. That that'd be like a Seinfeld episode, like the, not the John Voight car, but the <laughs> Tupac car. Yeah, <laughs> gas was a dollar twenty-seven. Oh fuck! Oh shit! That's the most shocking part of this. <laughs> a Fanny Shakur was having a quiet moment at her home outside Atlanta, the one purchased by Death Row. Yeah, blood money. When she got the call about the shooting from her good friend, Yasmin Fula, mother of Yafeu Fula. Sure. How would you pronounce that? Uh, nobody knows this person. Okay. He's a <laughs> member of the Outlaws. Nicknamed Yaki Gaddafi. Oh! Yeah, and so gotcha. his mom was good friends with Afeni Shakur. And oh, she gosh. broke the news to her. So this group, the Outlaws, was like a Nepo baby thing. <laughs> yeah, you know, something like that. Yeah. So Afeni hopped on the earliest flight to Vegas and got to the hospital as fast as she could. She and Tupac's closest friends and family members would keep a vigil by his bedside. Usually only two people were allowed to see him at one time for about 20 minutes a few times a day. Among his visitors were girlfriend Kidada Jones, his dad Billy Garland. So Billy Garland's back in the picture. Oh, of came course. back into the picture. Once his son starts making a couple bucks. He came back into the picture after the Quad Studio shooting. Oh, yeah. okay. Hey, I'm your dad, Billy Garland. And Tupac woke up in the hospital to see him and was like, who are you? <laughs> he thought his dad was dead. Wow. And it turns out that's his dad, Billy Garland, biological dad. Comes out of the woodwork. And then also Mike Tyson was a visitor, MC Hammer, who told him he couldn't touch this. Nice. (laughs) And Jesse Jackson, who weirdly said the same thing. Um, Wow, that was a fever dream. Yeah. Imagine waking up and like MC Hammer and like uh, Jesse Jackson are in your room. (laughs) And Jasmine Guy. And Jasmine Guy. Good friend from Different Different World. world. Yeah. Yeah. You know who wasn't there? Marissa Tomei. Jada Pinkett. 
That's right. And in her book, she says that she didn't go because she was filming a movie at the time and she was about to fly out. But then, of course, Afeni Shakur called Jada personally and said, oh, you don't have to worry about coming right now. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I don't believe anything Jada Pinkett Smith says. No. And then a final visitor that I'll mention was Suge Knight. Oh, no. That Sunday morning after the shooting, he instructed nurses to tell detectives he was too busy to speak with them. He was later released and went home. It wouldn't be until Wednesday when he would finally give police his witness statement after arrangements were made by his attorneys. Saturday to Wednesday. Yes. Wow. He offered very little to the investigation efforts, basically saying he heard something but saw nothing. In an interview with AB, He was in the bathroom. He was in the bathroom, <laughs> taking a giant shit. Probably <laughs> yeah. shit in his pants. Because he's a big, fat fuck. Yeah, imagine his <laughs> shit. It's probably like that shit in Jurassic Park. <laughs> After eating at the Mirage Buffet or yeah, something. Yeah, you clean them out. <laughs> They, they filed Chapter 11 after that buffet. <laughs> oh, Shook's back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> In an interview with ABC News afterwards, Shook was asked if he knew who killed Tupac, would he speak up? Quote, absolutely not. I don't get paid to tell on people. End quote. True. And he certainly played up the idea that he had been shot too. Listen to this clip here. Let me ask you something. You were hit. As well in that car. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's like a cartoon well, character okay, bad guy. Your injury. I got a bullet still in my head. The bullet's still in your head? Yes. The doctor told me that, um... Doctor told me brain that... scans, all kind of stuff. I'm a victim. It went in and cracked my cranium. Cracked my cranium. And it stayed there. They call it a cranium cracker. It stayed there. <laughs> I mean, what a load of... I'm charging at rent now. Jesus. (laughs) Have you ever heard a more pile of bullshit than that? Yeah. I'm housing this bullet. (laughs) (laughs) Police offered a $1,000 reward for information, but nobody came forward. This sounds like a Norm MacDonald headline on Weekend Update. They probably didn't come forward because you offered them (laughs) (laughs) $1,000. Can you imagine this shit? The reason I believe he's so fucking gung-ho about lying about this bullet being in his head is because August 21st, 1996, HIPAA was enacted. What? So two weeks before, he fucking would have been held accountable to be like, okay, let's see the fucking bullet. And they would pull his medical records. Wow. Two weeks later, they're not able to do that. So he's like, yeah, I got 10 bullets in my head. Jesus. (laughs) Prove me wrong. I was a human shield. <laughs> I would show you the bullet, but it's a breach of the HIPAA act. Yeah. I don't believe in that. And I respect it. Yeah. <laughs> and I respect The it. only thing I respect. I respect <laughs> Bill Clinton's health initiative in the HIPAA act. You can't ask what's going on with my health background. And besides the shitty award the police were offering for information, another reason no one came forward, the gang mentality, the code of the streets would hinder the investigation. Yep. Okay, on some level, devil's advocate, not giving information to police doesn't make you a bad person. The police sometimes no. try to manipulate you, and they they have bad intentions sometimes. Sometimes they could be bad actors in which they don't want necessarily want the best for you or care about you. They care about closing the case. Yeah. And getting- Except this case. 
Exactly. Yeah. So sometimes you have to be kind of weary about the police intentions when they ask you to be a, you know, to give info or testify. Yeah. Especially in this situation, they don't give a fuck who they take down. They just want somebody to go. But that being said, I distrust him way more than the cops. Yeah. In this particular scenario. Yeah. When Tupac was first brought to the hospital, he was listed in grave condition and put on a ventilator and respirator. Then he was put on life support and placed in a medically induced coma. Doctors gave him a 50-50 shot at surviving. He underwent two surgeries to stop the internal bleeding, which included the removal of his right lung. Whoa. However, the bleeding continued. A third surgery was scheduled, but his heart kept giving out. Although doctors were able to revive him multiple times, it was clear that his life force was fading away. So with a great deal of sadness, Afeni made the ultimate call for the medical staff to stop reviving him. And that was it. Damn. On September Hold 13th. Hold the plug. On September 13th, 1996, Friday the 13th of all days, Tupac Shakur was pronounced dead at age 25. Damn. God. Missing the 27 club by two years. That's the craziest part to me that how young he was. Wow. This mm-hmm. all went on. I know. Like over a span of like, like not that many years. Like sixty months. Yeah. His yeah. entire career mm-hmm. <laughs> and meeting Suge, you know, yep. Shock G, all this stuff was with was really within less than that. It's like forty eight months. Five or six years. I've had a longer car loan than that. <laughs> <That's> fucking insane. <laughs> oh, is Dennis Miller here now? <laughs> I've written card notes longer than that, babe. <laughs> than Tupac's career and death, babe. It's fucking true though. He accomplished more in like three years than any of us will do in our entire lifetime. I financed a Suzuki for longer than this guy's life and career, babe. The Irishman is longer than <laughs> Yes. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> Fucking uh, Killers of the Flower Moon oh, went Jesus. on longer. <laughs> so let's watch this clip. Primetime Live, Afeni Shakur talking about that. The doctor came out and said that Tupac had stopped breathing three times and they had revived him three times. And that every time they revived him, he just went back and I asked them to leave him alone and to let him go. I really felt it was important for Tupac, who fought so hard to have a free spirit. I felt it was important for his spirit to be allowed to be free, you know? And so I rejoiced with him and with the relief of his spirit. I rejoiced then and I rejoice now when I'm not crying. Very sad. Damn. News of his death shocked the world, even if it wasn't exactly a surprise. Fans gathered outside the hospital to pay their respects. Despite fears of chaos ensuing, the scene remained relatively peaceful in Las Vegas. But it was a different story over in Compton, where retaliatory violence spread in the name of vengeance for Tupac. The warfare consisted of 20 shootings in 10 days. In the months that followed, black leaders called for peace in the hip-hop community, and politicians continued to condemn the violent lyrics of gangster rap. The East Coast-West Coast feud now had a major fatality, and would soon have another one. Biggie Smalls was shot to death outside the Peterson Automotive Museum in L.A. while leaving an after-party thrown by Vibe magazine. To this day, his death remains unsolved. Mm. 
And do you remember that member of the Outlaws who I butchered the name of? Yaki yeah. Gaddafi. Member of the Outlaws, and this is the group that backed up and toured with Pac, and his mom was the one who called a Faney the morning after the shooting. Well, Fula had been in the car with Frank Alexander on that fateful night, directly behind the BMW with Tupac and Suge. He told cops he could identify the shooter in a lineup. Instead of questioning him, the police let him go. Then he got cold feet about sharing further information for fear of being labeled a snitch. If you're a cop, you have to get everything within 24 to 48 hours. You got to jump on this. You got to jump on it because people either forget or they get more unreliable as time goes on. Also, you have to provide protection for people who are going to be helping you because people will come and kill anybody that says anything about anyone. You get them on the record saying exactly what happened and getting, hopefully, if it's helpful, you have to get them very clearly stating what happened and then you can let them go after and then you could hold them to that, to what they had already said. They think they have delusions of like the prosecutor being like, okay, do you see the shooter in this courtroom today? And they'd be like, yeah, right there. Like They're not going to get their fucking head cut off the next day. Yeah. And so Fula, a.k.a. Yaki Gaddafi, went back and forth with the Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department through a death row attorney over the course of the next couple months. But sadly, his voice was silenced forever when he was fatally shot in the head in New Jersey in November 1996. What? So that's no help to the investigation anymore. And then yet another retaliation murder took place in 2002 when Alton McDonald, a former production manager at Death Row, was gunned down at a shell station in Compton. The car he had been driving was registered to Reggie Wright Jr., a former cop who once worked security for Suge Knight. Mm. So it's just a bloodbath. It's like the end of Goodfellas. Yeah, <laughs> literally. I ain't mad at you. The fourth and final single from All Eyes on Me was released on September 15, 1996, two days after Tupac's death. In the song, he wistfully reminisces about old friends, lovers, and other people he lost touch with over the years. In the video, Tupac is shown singing as an angel in heaven after being gunned down while leaving a party. Quote, I ain't mad at you. Got nothing but love for you. Pretty poignant considering. Yeah. And he managed to complete three movies after getting out of jail, all released posthumously in 1997. Bullet with Mickey Rourke. Mickey Rourke was like his buddy. He visited him in jail and stuff. The movie, unfortunately, went straight to video, so not a not lot a of people great movie. Yeah. saw it. What an unlikely pair. Yeah. yeah. Well, listen to the other pairings we got here. Then he did Gridlocked with Tim Roth, who admired... Tupac's acting ability. Tim Roth. Yeah. Wow. And then the final movie here, Gang Related with Jim Belushi, filming wrapped on August 30th, 1996. Why is it every movie they're like, let's just pair Tupac with a white guy? No, but also, (laughs) what happens? What amazing bookends to his acting career. He starts off with Ackroyd and closes off with Belushi. Yeah. Yeah. How's that? They were the Blues Brothers 2000. (laughs) And by the way, I love Gang Related. It's a very entertaining movie. Really? Very underrated. That's all I'm going to say about it. I'll check it it out. And then we get to his final music, the Don Kilumati. The what? 
the seven-day theory dropped in November 1996 under Tupac's new alias, Machiavelli, based on the Italian politician Machiavelli. Mm. It was originally intended to be a mixtape, but was released as an official album. The last one to feature Tupac's oversight. This is Suge in the background, just like making all the money off yeah. this. Although um, Afeni is the one who inherited his estate officially. Okay, so she's getting all this money? Maybe not this one, but everything after she did. Okay. Because remember, this is the third one that fulfills his obligation to death row. That's yeah. right. So so posthumously, however you say Posthumously. It. Posthumously. The contract is like null and void with death row, so mm-hmm. like whatever it goes to the estate. Yeah. And uh, the Don Kilumari debuted at number one and certified two times platinum. Ooh. This fueled the conspiracy Tupac faked his death because Machiavelli himself was rumored to have faked his own death and then returned after seven days to seek revenge on his enemies. Ah. Some believed that he would return to the stage on September 7th, 2007. 777. Holy shit. But that day came and went without any sighting. And Cal, if you want to click that link, this autopsy photo might put a rest to the rumors that he faked his death. Yeah. And this was the early days of the internet and Rotten.com existed, and they had all the autopsy photos of celebrities, Tupac being one of them. So this was one of the first... Uh, gruesome pieces of media I've oh ever seen. Oh my God, that is gruesome. Yeah. He's like all yeah. cut up. Is that after they did the autopsy? That's the autopsy. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm like, no, the bullets didn't do that. Yeah. It's like they popped open his chest or something. Yeah, Jeez, a little rough. flayed. If Suge Knight said, no, that's me. Yeah, good. <laughs> Another thing about the seven theory, it was basically seven days between when he was shot and when he died. Yep. Hmm. What do you think? Yeah, like Jesus too. Uh, he came back. That was three days. I don't know. <laughs> Just go along with it, go. Sure. <laughs> yeah, you said it, Mr. Mark. Who can count? Not me. Afeni Shakur inherited the estate, as I mentioned, and controlled his legacy from there on out. She says she got clean in the 90s because, remember, she had a crack addiction at one point. Oh, yeah. She was very happy that she was able to be fully present in Tupac's final years of life. Dad Billy Garland had come back into the picture after the Quad Studio shooting, and get this, took her to court to get half the estate. What a fuck. But was denied. Good. I wish we had that sound effect that... Um, Red Bar has? Red Bar. The explosion. <laughs> yeah. Denied. We might. <laughs> oh, yeah. Denied. <laughs> we'll, stay, we'll keep that. Yeah. Afeni founded Amaru Entertainment in 1997 and oversaw the release of, coincidentally, seven more posthumous albums. Seven, seven, seven. Including <laughs> Greatest Hits in 1998, which debuted the previously unreleased track, Changes, a powerful song about life in the ghetto that brilliantly samples Bruce Hornsby. Not a bad song, actually. And amazing that that was... After he died, because it's maybe his greatest song. Yeah. Really? It's definitely the first one that I remember hearing that hit me when I was younger. I like his song, Holla If You Hear Me. I think that's my favorite one of his. Of many. There's a lot of good ones. Let's be honest. Holla, holla, holla. Yeah. 
Afeni's, let me holler at you. <laughs> let me holler at you, bitch. Afeni's company, Amaru Entertainment, also produced the Oscar-nominated movie Tupac Resurrection in 2003. I love that documentary. A loving tribute to her son, and it's one of the highest-grossing documentaries of all time. Nice. In 2012, we mentioned the hologram that was the holla holla hologram. Yeah, that was. Uh, let me holla at your gram. That performed <laughs> at Coachella. And it kind of creeps some people out, but a lot of people dug it. Yeah, they don't do, they're not doing the holograms a lot anymore after that. Everyone's like, oh, whoa, oh, oh, whoa. Yeah, they tried to get the holograms off the ground and it uh, didn't really work. Yeah. No, I, it's sort of. No one likes cool. to holla at the hologram. <laughs> some people have commented, like, hey, I'd pay to go see a hologram of Tupac perform. But they want to do them again with like Bowie and like other people. It's but- weird, but I could see it being kind of fun on some level too. Yeah. I could see it being. Yeah, fun. I'd go yeah. check it out probably. Yeah. I mean, people are going to Pink Floyd laser shows and whatnot. Yeah. yeah. What's the difference? In 2017, Tupac was the first rapper inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. In 2022, Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg paid tribute to him at the Super Bowl halftime show by performing California Love. And later in the set, Dre played the beginning keys of I Ain't Mad at Ya on the piano. Oh, yeah. And if you want to hear a little of that. Eminem went down on one knee. I get goosebumps. Amazing. Bravo. Such a tease. I know. Wouldn't it be nice if Tupac was still around? And no, but I think it. It's good they didn't bring out the hologram. I, I wonder if they thought. <laughs> a lot of people did think the hologram was going to come out at the Super Bowl. Yeah. yeah. And it didn't. And then in 2023, this year, recently, Tupac finally got his star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Ooh. Also, the site of the future Death and Entertainment tour. Yes. Just a reminder. And here, let's end with what I call the aftermath. Of this whole mess. You get it? Suge Knight went to prison to get what? Aftermath. Dr. Dre's Aftermath. Oh, yeah, you're right. That was I, the I, first name of his label after I know. he left. Okay. And that the record, which was not a good record after he left <laughs> Death Row. He did that Aftermath song. I'm like, oh, this guy's done. And then, <laughs> oh and then sure enough, I was so wrong. Because you're very wrong. It was just kind of the beginning of the second leg of his career. <laughs> yeah. I was just playing dumb for the audience that also would have been confused. Sure. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Suge Knight went to prison two months after Tupac's death. I alluded to this earlier. In 1995, he had pleaded no contest to assaulting the Linwood brothers. Oh, you don't mess with the Linwood brothers. Get away with it. (laughs) Both aspiring rappers at a Hollywood recording studio. He had walked in on them, God forbid, using his phone without permission and then beat them with his gun and threatened to kill them. He was convicted of assault and sentenced to probation. Hey, homie, that better be a local call. You call in Sweden? (laughs) He would end up violating his probation with his role in the fight with Orlando Anderson at the MGM Grand. In October 1996, he was sent to prison for nine years, but was granted an early release in 2001. 
And when he was released, if you don't think he was still bitter about Snoop Dogg leaving the label, think again. This is a clip taken from his website from 2001. Death Row website. Listen to this. And Kyle, can you read what it says too? Yeah. 2001, the year of fear. All dogs run and hide. Suge is coming home. And, you know, they killed a dog. <laughs> and imagine just him giving some um, some web developer notes on how <laughs> yeah, to do like, that. That's the early days <laughs> when they were using Flash. Yeah. yeah. All right. So I want the, the letter to come out and then a dog to get shot. Uh, I mean, what a <laughs> fucking idiot. He's lucky to get out of prison early. And then he's threatening Snoop Dogg online. Yeah. yeah. Get out of he's here. Gi- he's giving notes on the dog sound. It's a little, I don't know. I don't believe the dog is really hurting. <laughs> he has uh, Michael Winslow come in and do it. <laughs> <laughs> but Snoop got the last laugh on Suge because Death Row filed for bankruptcy in 2006 and then went to auction. Then in 2022, Snoop bought the label, and he intends to resurrect it someday. Look who got the last bark now. (laughs) (laughs) In the years that followed, Suge would have various parole violations and altercations, and in 2014, he survived an attempted murder after getting shot multiple times at a party thrown by Chris Brown. (laughs) Jeez. These these guys don't hang out. Uh... (laughs) Do not go to a party hosted by Chris Brown. No, especially in those years. No. Then in 2015, Suge allegedly got into an argument with Terry Carter, his friend and co-founder of Heavyweight Records, and a filmmaker named Clay Sloan. He followed them to a burger joint parking lot in Compton where they believed a peaceful meeting was going to take place. That wasn't the case. Uh He drove into them with his truck and then backed up and did it a second time before fleeing the scene. One of the wheels had gone over Terry Carter's head and he was killed. Whoa. And here we have surveillance footage of it. Suge claimed self-defense because he thought they were going to ambush him. He was convicted of voluntary manslaughter and sentenced to 28 years in prison. He won't be eligible for parole until 2034. And we're watching the footage now. Looks pretty deliberate to me. Yeah, he does it twice. I couldn't believe this when I first saw it. It's shocking. And it wasn't blurred out when I saw it. Oh, shit. Yeah. That's insane. Sorry to disappoint you that I got the blurred version. Yeah. (laughs) I want to see some carnage. Man. Uh, 2034 still seems too early to be able to get out for that. He killed somebody. I know. He deliberately killed someone. Put it this way. He's better in prison. It's better for the world. Yeah. Imagine, like, being a cellmate, though. Except for that guy. It's better for the world except for that guy. Yeah, the stories he has to listen to. Yeah. You want to hear about the time I did this? And Suge just, you know, it's like the open air shitter. He just has to, his roommate just has to watch him. Yeah. (laughs) Like somehow he's still a big fat fuck despite just eating prison food and weightlifting. He seems like the kind of guy that would open the door and shit with it open still. Oh, God. You got something to say about that? Yeah. Yeah. Can't take the heat, get out of the kitchen. (laughs) Give, give me that plumber, homie. <laughs> <Man>. <laughs> Shit about to fly. <laughs> give me that plunger, homie. Russell Poole, 
Does that name mean anything to any of you? That's the investigator that thought he knew who killed Tupac. Exactly. He's a former LAPD detective who investigated the deaths of both Tupac and Biggie. He believed Suge orchestrated Tupac's death to look like a gang killing between the Crips and the Bloods, and that the Orlando-Anderson fight in the MGM Grand was to set up a motive. Law enforcement officials were working for death row, that's a fact, and in his mind, they were basically organized crime. He says that 40 officers were on the payroll, and this was definitely a compromise. And a lot of this information came from a former officer named Kevin Hackey, who worked for death row. And let's hear Russell Poole talk a little bit. I always hated the way this guy talked. His, not, not like his voice or anything or what he said, just the, the way his mouth looks. <laughs> Suge Knight, to me, was one of the most powerful gangsters around. He was well organized. He had a lot of power. And uh, what gave him the power is he had dozens and dozens of police officers working in his organization. He seems like a nice Midwest guy. Stupid yeah. mouth. Gangsters. Yeah. <laughs> He's like Elliot Ness. No, I, I believe like nothing about this guy's theories because it would mean that Suge was a way smarter person than I think he was. Well, you know. Way better organized. At the time of his death, Tupac was owed $10 million by death row and was planning to leave after fulfilling his contractual obligations. That's motive for Suge right there. Sure. Was he worth more dead than alive? Yes. Okay, but here's devil's advocate, as we often like to play. If Suge was involved in the murder, then why would he risk being in the same vehicle? Poole's theory became the basis for the Randall Sullivan bestseller, Labyrinth, with L.A. being capitalized, and the subsequent movie City of Lies with Johnny Depp. Here's another theory. Some say that the investigation into Tupac's murder took so long because if you solved that, then you'd have to solve Biggie's murder. And Biggie's murder raises big questions about the involvement of multiple LAPD officers. Yeah. Something to think about. But also, Tupac's murder was before Biggie's. Yes, but still, logically, yeah. it's in the zeitgeist. So you solve one, let's solve the other now. If there are officers involved, if there is a conspiracy, it's better if they just both remain unsolved. Mm. Well, it would it would help the, the claim that Suge was involved in the initial Quad City shooting. Right. If he's part of that and he's part of all these shootings... Like, he's got a lot of conspiracies going on here. and he's, It's a he, big trail. It's a big trail. It involves a lot of people. Whenever you involve that many people in a conspiracy, that's when, you know, it breaks down. Well, you know, okay. time will tell. Time will tell. And that brings us to Orlando Anderson. Shortly after the murder of Tupac, both Las Vegas and Compton Police Departments received tips that Orlando was a trigger man for the Crips and connected to the shooting. A well-known member of the Bloods even identified him as the shooter. An affidavit signed by a member of the Compton PD, Tim Brennan, dated September 25th, 1996, read, quote, Informants have told police that Southside Crips were responsible for the Las Vegas shooting of Shakur. There is also an ongoing feud between Tupac Shakur and the Bloods-related death row records with rapper Biggie Smalls and the East Coast Bad Boy Entertainment, which employed Southside Crips gang members as security. 
end quote. Bad Boy denied ever hiring Crips as security. And so despite the growing suspicion, Orlando Anderson remained a free man. He denied his involvement in having any association with the Crips publicly. In a CNN interview accompanied by his lawyer, he said, quote, I want to let everyone know I didn't do it. I've been thinking that maybe I'm a scapegoat or something. And let's hear a little of his interview. I've been thinking maybe somebody thinks I did something. Is it Orlando? Yes. Let me just ask you point blank. Did you kill Tupac Shakur? I'm not in kill Tupac. I mean, I don't know why, you know what I'm saying? They would, they would even say something like that. And I feel sorry for him, you know what I'm saying, his fans and his, you know, and his family and friends. Yeah, okay. Even though he beat you up and, like, stomped you in the casino that night? And he said he was a big fan, that he was the Marvin Gaye of rap. Wow. That'd be funny if she was like, did you kill Tupac Shakur? Yes. I mean, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Las Vegas PD never publicly said that he was a suspect or a person of interest in the case. Anderson sued the Tupac estate for the assault at the MGM Grand after a Faney filed a wrongful death lawsuit against him. And Anderson told the L.A. Times in 1997, I wish they would hurry up and catch the killer so my name could be cleared. That's like an O.J. thing. But clearly that never happened. Anderson himself ended up getting killed along with two other men in an unrelated drive-by shooting in May 1998. Word on the street is that Crip members DeAndre Smith, Darnell Brim, and Terrence Brown were all in the Cadillac that night along with Orlando Anderson, and that it was rented by Brown's mother-in-law. It's now known that after the shootout, the vehicle was taken to Earthquake Sound on Alondra Boulevard in Compton to have the bullet holes repaired before it was returned to the rental agency. Which supports the theory that there was return fire. They had all gone taking credit for the hit. However, in recent years, it's come to light that there may have been another guy in the car as well. Orlando Anderson's uncle, Dwayne Keefe D. Davis. Yeah. He's the only one from the Cadillac who's still alive today. The rest of them were killed by gunshots. Yep. So their buddy gets stomped. In the casino, they mm-hmm. all get in the Cadillac and start following the entourage, catch up to it, and then just start blasting away. That's the simple theory, that Pac was kind of being a fake gangster that night, yeah. not realizing what he was getting into, and fucked with the wrong guy, and that his murder was a retaliation for that. That's yeah. I think that's the easiest possible scenario. Yeah. And in a 2018 interview with BET, Keefe D., Orlando's uncle, admitted to being in the front passenger seat of the Cadillac and implicated his nephew Orlando as the shooter. Yeah, this guy had been saying it forever that he was there. Yeah. Then in 2019, Keefe released a memoir titled Compton Street Legend, where he writes that he was a shot caller for the Crips and reiterates that he was in the front seat while Orlando was in the back with the Glock a.k.a. the murder weapon. He also says that he made this confession to authorities in 2010 when he was facing serious drug charges that threatened him with life in prison. And then in October 2011, former LAPD detective Greg Kading 
a former investigator in the murder of Biggie Smalls, released a book alleging that Sean Puff Daddy Combs commissioned Keefe D to kill Tupac and Suge for $1 million. Dr. Evil. $1 million. <laughs> so that is quite the allegation. But Puffy they, they ordered even, the hit. They didn't get their million dollars worth because Suge wasn't even barely hit, and I think he's a pretty big target. How do you miss? I got a bullet in my head. (laughs) (laughs) I'll give you 500 grand. You really missed a big target. (laughs) You're only getting half. Yeah, Yeah. close range. He corroborated the allegation, Keefe, in a recorded conversation with Greg Kading, the author of the book. The popular Netflix series Unsolved was based on that book and generated renewed interest in the case. And now let's listen to a 2019 interview with Keefe D on the YouTube channel Vlad TV. And this is when he was promoting his book, Compton Street Legend. I'm going to go ahead and read from the book uh, passage. On getting a gun for the Tupac hit, while we were waiting for the valley to bring out our cars, Zip seized the opportunity and called, called me over to his Benz. Zip was a big-time New York player, pimp, and hustler. who used to come out to California and handle his business and kick it with us sometimes. So let's talk about what happens next. You know, based on what the book says, uh, Zip uh, gave you a Glock, gave you guys a Glock, and you guys tossed it in the backseat. And uh, Bubble Up was a driver, and uh, Baby Lane and Freaky were in the backseat. We were just all in the car again. Sounds like Lil Peep, Santaraz. So you, Tiny Coco, (laughs) Rum Rum Johnny. After the interview on Vlad TV, the same channel, he also posted part of the 2010 confession that was recorded on tape Mm. that he did with cops. And that's what you're going to hear after this Vlad TV interview. And uh, Bubble Up was a driver, and uh, Baby Lane and Freaky were in the backseat. We were just all in the car again. This was the white Cadillac. Yeah. Yeah. So someone from your car... Started shooting at Tupac and Shook. Lane starts blasting. Um, so you the say confession now. looks over, he sees you. Uh, he looks right at you? Yeah, he looks at When he looks over at you, and then you know Tupac's busy getting shot. Evidently, the story is Tupac's trying to either get out He's of the In the backseat or something. Yeah, what do you see happening inside of their car? I seen a bullet going shoot again. I thought he was dead. Thought he was dead. So Orlando shot him across Dre. He leaned over on the window. We rolled down the window and popped him. So rolled down the window and popped him. I called the bitch. Yeah, I mean, the bitch by I mean, bullets. What a delightful nephew and uncle combo here. This is not a believable uh, testimony at all. You would not think, no. but. In July 2023, a Las Vegas SWAT team raided the home of Keefe D, Dwayne Davis's wife, Paula Clements' home in Henderson, Nevada, near Vegas. It's unclear if he had been living there at the time, but documents state police were looking for items, quote, concerning the murder of Tupac Shakur. Then on September 29th, 2023, Davis was arrested while out walking on the outskirts of Las Vegas. A Nevada grand jury indicted him on one count of murder with a deadly weapon 27 years after the fact. Yep. Davis is being held without bail. And here's a clip from the Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department press conference. 27 years. 27 years. 
For 27 years, the family of Tupac Shakur has been waiting for justice. We are here today to announce the arrest of 60-year-old Dwayne Keith Davis, a.k.a. Keefe D, for the murder of Tupac Shakur. Davis was arrested this morning by my LVMPD criminal apprehension team, and this investigation started on the night of September 7th, 1996. It is far from over. It has taken countless hours, really decades, of work by the men and women of our homicide section to get to where we are today. Yeah, even though you knew it was Orlando Anderson the night of the shooting? Yeah. What a fucking joke. Yeah. I don't know why right now is the time that we indict someone, e- even though they had that testimony forever. And then why didn't they go after that car right then or follow those guys or, you know, yeah, hold those bike cops accountable, put some surveillance on them and find out what they were doing, getting rid of a Cadillac. Yeah. And some of those cops are so performative. It reminds me of the Delphi press conference. He's like, 27 years. <sighs> 27 years. Yeah. and Like, get to the point. It's not the nail in the coffin of the case you think it is. No. That's going to be a really sticky uh, trial. On November 2nd, 2023, Keefe D pleaded not guilty to the murder charge, which is absurd considering he spent the better part of a decade admitting to it. I mean, not that he was the shooter, but he was very much involved. And the trial is set to begin in June 2024. So we will definitely be on that. Yeah. Yes. Look to us for all your coverage. Please. <laughs> Moprim Shakur, the older stepbrother of Tupac from Mutulu, Afeni's second husband, mm-hmm. said his family is feeling grateful for the arrest of Kifi D. Quote, we're shocked to a certain degree because it's been so long, he told NBC News. There's still a lot of unanswered questions. We're cautiously optimistic. And Suge Knight, in a phone call with TMZ, said he won't be involved in the investigation and that they arrested the wrong guy. And also, he's starting a podcast from jail. <laughs> so we have some competition coming our way. Yeah. And then, Death row in entertainment. Finally <laughs> here, I have a few other updates unrelated to the murder investigation. In 1999, Roger Troutman, who sang on California Love from the Zap Band, remember? Mm-hmm. Was fatally shot outside his Ohio recording studio by his brother Larry, who was found dead from a self-inflicted gunshot wound a few blocks away. Jeez. In 2013, bodyguard Frank Alexander died by suicide. He shot himself in the head at his home in Riverside County, California. Jeez. In his book... Got Your Back, The Life of a Bodyguard in the Hardcore World of Gangster Rap, published in 1998. He wrote, quote, no one can judge me but God. Tupac's mother of Faney doesn't blame me for Tupac's death. I'm not trying to profit from Tupac's death, end quote. In 2015, Russell Poole, the detective who was investigating Biggie and Tupac's murders, died of a heart attack in his office while discussing the case for the book Chaos Merchants. So he was being interviewed and just dropped dead. Wow. In 2016, Afeni Shakur, Tupac's mother, died at age 67 after going into cardiac arrest on her houseboat in Sausalito, California. Jesus. And then in 2021, Shock G 
was found dead in a Tampa motel room by an accidental overdose of fentanyl. What? Jesus, I oh forgot that Shaji died. Yes. And I then he was still alive. He's going to get the last word here. This is what he said about Tupac in an interview. There was a small funeral that Fanny had on Malibu Beach. 30 to 50 friends and family. We brought drums and we had fires burning. But we threw all the gifts in the ocean, chicken wings and the Hennessy and his favorite pictures, jewelry, books. The water was freezing. But Fanny walked in deep out there to dump the urn. Afeni said it best. Don't cry for my baby. He was a strong fire. And he burned a white flame. It burned all night. And Pac lived an intense, potent, deadly 25 years. But something burns really hot. It's gone. Tupac died to get his message across. I believe that. R.I.P. to everyone R.I.P. that passed away. Yeah. And Tupac. It really, it's also the end of Casino and it's the end of Goodfellas. All in one. For real. The the Layla song is playing, the Eric Clapton song. Final thoughts. It's a lot, man. It's a lot. That is, uh, you know, it's hard to decide whether or not Diddy and Suge Knight were completely involved. I do think that whether or not they actually paid somebody off to do some dirty work, I think they might have been thinking about it. I think Snoop Dogg is the only one that came out on top, really. Everyone is dead, getting accused of rape, you know, yeah. murders. You know, Snoop Dogg is, like, beloved by the country. Mm-hmm. Well, he's lucky he wasn't there that night. Yes. Yeah. He's lucky he those guys kind of shunned him. They weirded him out, and he was like, fuck this, I'm not going with Maybe you. Tupac was, was purposely, like, pushing Snoop away, knowing that, you know, there was danger to be had. Like, he could have been a target. Maybe he's trying to, like... Do him a favor by like, you know, tell him to fuck off. Yeah. I think Dr. Dre did him a favor because he was already gone from death row and that already makes death row lose a little credibility. Yeah. Yeah. So Snoop is already on watch. Mm -hmm. If there was one more that left, I think that was the entirety of what Suge Knight had. So another one of his superstars left and he's screwed. But if one of them gets shot and killed, that elevates the label or so he thought but in reality everyone knew he was toxic and just wanted to get away from him because everything around him seemed to turn to shit yeah but the music lives on his legacy lives on yep and i guess there's justice finally we'll see d we'll keep everybody updated on the uh, status of keefe d in that trial that's going to be an interesting one to see because um whether or not he was there they've charged him with the murder so i don't know I don't know the Vegas law. Sometimes, you know, if you're the getaway driver, you can still be charged with murder for being there. Some you're states do do that. Yeah. Yeah. Some, well, a lot of times you'll be charged with being an accessory. But if you do something that's completing the full act of the crime in the true scope of, you know, whatever happened, you can be charged with the same murder, even if you didn't shoot them or actually kill them. Well, they're going to use that as leverage and hopefully maybe they'll, they'll take him down. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. But yeah, he was flaunting it for a number of years saying, you know, I was in the car and it was my nephew, and which is shitty in itself just to throw your nephew under the bus, even if he did do it. I don't know. 
It's for just, what reason? Yeah, like yeah. for clout. He seems like a weird guy. Yeah. A lot of people said he was like, um, you know, a hanger on. He wasn't really in the mix of everything like he yeah. says he was. Oh, and I heard that he had met Suge early on in the football days. Like they played together. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Which is Suge, also weird. What you didn't mention, yeah, Suge was a former. Um, he was like being scouted for the NFL. He was like a big um, college player. Yeah, yeah, I mentioned that he played briefly for the Rams. Yep. The Rams, that's right. Yeah. Now he's getting rammed in the ass. <laughs> In maybe, prison. Yeah. Maybe there's a bigger Suge. You know, there's a bigger guy there that, yeah. you know, that he can... You know, Suge's getting old, too. So he's not like, you know, the in the prime of his life. Yeah. Yeah, maybe there's Stevia Bear. Yeah. yeah. Get over here. Yeah, Suge's best days are behind him. What the, What if you build a bigger Suge? <laughs> and so is a bunch of different prisoners <laughs> waiting for their shot. <laughs> yeah. At the sugar hole. <laughs> the sugar hole <laughs> is open for business. <laughs> Time to get Sugar Bear's Honey Pot. Yeah. <laughs> all right. All we, right. We That's gotta, all I got. We got to go. We, we <laughs> yeah, this has been, I mean, we've been here for days recording these two yeah. episodes. Yeah. This has been a marathon recording. And yep. thank you for sticking with us, listening, and we love you all. Uh, go to deathandentertainment.com, and there you will find all the links to our social media. Yes. And a link to our Patreon. Yes. Which we are very grateful that continues to grow. Yep. And there you will find the latest videos, including a, you can't do that anymore. Bonus Christmas holiday edition. Yeah, where we watch disturbing media. Related to Christmas time. Amen. (laughs) All right. So until next week. Don't go dying on us. Bye-bye. You have just heard. A true Hollywood murder mystery. I have never seen anything like this before. Broadway, music, television, all of it. A place that manufactures nightmares. Okay, everybody, that's a wrap. Good night. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon.